Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. The national healthcare debate wages on. Many of the Democratic candidates for president are now making the argument that healthcare coverage is a basic human right, not a privilege afforded only to those who can, well, afford it. In Oregon, there is a push to simplify the process on how you receive your coverage, eliminating the headache of negotiating with insurance providers over what they will and will not cover based on your individual policy. Today, we will be joined by a Lane County resident who is at the front lines of this fight for the human right of health care coverage for every Oregon resident. Coming up next on the Spent the Rent podcast from our Revolution Lane County, James Barber. Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem Boat Willie. My guest today from Our Revolution Lane County is James Barber. James, this is your third time on the podcast. Welcome back. Glad to be here. So we had talked about uh, getting you back on. I always enjoy talking to you. You bring a lot of information, and I think that my listeners appreciate it. So today, we're going to talk about a few different things, but primarily the main focus is going to be healthcare for all in Oregon. And we'll get into kind of the differences between and similarities of Medicare for all on a national level. But it seems like now states are coming forward and say, we're not going to wait for the federal. We're going to do it locally. So the big thing I'd like to just talk about, first off, how did Medicare for all really start? It's been around for a long time, the option. But what ends up happening is, is it seems like, you know, the proposal will come and then the, the politicians will be like, how about we try this other less shiny, less functioning thing. And then once that gets kind of public acceptance, we'll remove the functionality like the public option. Is that pretty much, that's pretty much how it's gone. So, you know, when Obamacare was passed, I remember the push for the public option, which essentially if people are completely unaware would be that you would apply on a government website and then they would help pay for your insurance. So with Medicare for all and with healthcare for all, it eliminates insurance completely. Yes. Um, so Medicare for all and most of your healthcare for all options are single payer systems. So they don't do away with privatized healthcare, but what it does is it funnels all of the funds through one single payer, which is the government. Right. And the government ends up paying from there. So they, it gives the government a lot more buying power. Right. Right. I mean, they, they basically can control costs that way. It eliminates all the middlemen. Right. So you don't have people just sitting in between you, your doctor, and your doctor getting paid. So there still would be insurance companies, essentially, because, right? Or uh, It depends. It kinda... So it, the insurance companies will not be involved in all basic care. 
So in Medicare for All and in the Healthcare for All bill that James Manning proposed, SB 770, which is in the Senate right now, um, everything is going to be covered. So mental, dental, all of your basic needs. So the only thing that isn't really covered in the proposals is elective surgeries, things that aren't necessarily needed. Right. Um, Like cosmetic. Yeah, like cosmetics. Everything else covered. So an insurance company won't need to be used there. I mean, they can try, but they would probably not succeed. Sure. They they wouldn't last very long because who's going to pay for it? when they don't have to pay for it. And that's probably been a lot of the pushback. I always said with Obamacare that it was just insurance reform. And it just, it's essentially the gripe that a lot of people, especially on the right had was the mandate, which is how it works. Because if you, if you force people, I don't like to use the word force people to use it, but if you, you know, you know, a fine through on your taxes, if you don't sign up for some form of healthcare, that's how you get it to be funding because more people are now on the roster or yeah, whatever. Yeah. If you don't have, if you don't force people to buy into it, they won't do they it. They won't do it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then what happens is, is people don't end up getting it until they actually need it, which puts the burden on insurance companies where they don't have income unless somebody is needing care, which is inevitably higher than the cost of what people are putting into it. Right. And so, so he, his big thing is, I mean, at least from my take on it was that he was essentially reforming insurance and the insurance companies were padding his pockets because that was making them have a whole new list of clients essentially. And then with Trump, Possibly. you know, with Trump the and then the Republicans, the push to eliminate the mandate because it was, that was the part that they basically riled their base up that, you know, is unconstitutional in their opinion. I think Texas actually deemed it unconstitutional. Well, the mandate is the only reason that the ACA succeeds. Right. That's the only thing keeping it going. Like it was necessary to the success of it. Right. Um, The ACA in general, um, it keeps insurance companies alive, which a lot of people disagree with. I disagree with, but I supported the ACA. Um, One of the things that we saw was we were basically stuck in a rut for the last 30 years, trying to reform our healthcare system that was clearly broken. And, any attempts at reform got shot down or they get delayed or kicked down the road until they eventually go away. That's just what happens. So what the ACA allowed us to do is get out of that rut. I'm sure you're familiar with when you're in a rut, uh, once you can't turn sharply in a rut, right? Your wheels are stuck. Right. You have to get out of that rut just a little bit until you can start turning harder. So this is the analogy I use is we were in a rut. The ACA got us out of the rut. And from there, we're able to change directions, whichever way we want to go. We could pull ourselves back into the rut, which is what the Republicans have been trying to do, or we can turn sharper and move towards a single payer system, which was really the opportune time for Bernie to come out in 2015, 2016 and really push hard for it. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of success, not just at um, polling at the national level, showing support for it, but also the efforts at each state. Right. And I mean, that's something that I've always admired about your work is that, you know, you talk a lot about, uh, coalition building inside the democratic party, as opposed to just my way or the highway, you have to make compromise. And that's what I think a lot of people are striving for or are craving in politics, especially people that fall in the middle that they want compromise. They don't want these outlandish ideas yet. You know, with a lot of the you know presidential candidates on the left right now, they're pushing it farther to the left, and that's good. 
And that's why I think a lot of candidates this early on is a good thing. We'll get into that later. But that is something that, you know, like you said, supporting ACA was because you have to take baby steps. You know, we have to do something because what we're doing is broken. So, so yeah, that's good. I, so I don't know that you have to do one thing or the other. Um, when it comes to compromise, compromise is just part of negotiation. Right. Where you end up compromising depends on where you start the negotiations, you know, exactly. and, and how far you're willing to move during those negotiations and, and what you have on your side in those negotiations, which is where Bernie comes in and he says, you know, how we're going to make this change and enact it is we're going to have millions of people on our side standing up and helping right. us. Obama didn't do that. Obama had the opportunity to do that because he ran a campaign that got people engaged and energized. And then he said, okay, I've got it from here. You know I mean? Right. He, he basically let everybody um, think that he was going to take it on and he was going to be able to do it on his own. He didn't activate the people to stand behind him and help him push those reforms. And that was, that was basically his biggest failing when it came to keeping the things like the public option right. in the ACA. Well, it's like what we just saw with Feinstein with talking to the kids. If you saw that clip where she's like, you don't know how to pass legislation and right. you know, you you don't matter. Your future isn't important to me. Yeah. But, and but, her mindset was, I've been here. I know how it's done. Right. And so she's viewing things from a lens of, this is my experience on how to get things done. Whereas, you know, we're moving beyond that. We need to. We we can't continue doing things the right. way they've been done, which is, yeah, the legislator gets in a room with other legislators and they basically try to hash out the differences and come to a compromise there. No, what we're trying to change is we're saying, uh, you legislator, you need to realize we're there with you. You know, right. it's not just you in that room. It's you and all of us. And when that happens, now we can tilt the scales a little bit. You get stronger leverage in your negotiations and you don't have to settle for this watered down bullshit. Right. And then, you know, people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I feel like is being extremely transparent. And she that's what she Absolutely. utilizes with social media that scares the crap out of everybody. She's bringing the fire. And <laughs> and, you know. She's not she's being so transparent about it that she knows that if she does something or says something and then doesn't follow through, she will not be reelected. You know, I mean, I find it hard to imagine her not being reelected in her district because the support, I'm sure, is growing, not shrinking. And there's going to be a full on assault that's already started where she's enemy. Num she's public enemy number one, which, oh, yeah. which is funny because the young people who are now, you know, even in Oregon, there's a push to even go younger, which I don't know if 16, we can, what's a whole different argument, but, but the younger people are starting to get bigger numbers. The millennials are starting to have more of a voice. And so people in her age group and younger, that's motivating for them. The way that she is, you know, take the bull by its horns kind of thing. Well, one of the things I see from her, I call her AOC. Yeah. Cause it's too tough. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just less syllables. Sure. So AOC, what she does is in my mind, I don't see somebody who's worried about reelection. She sees sure. that she has two years to make progress. And in her mind, if she makes progress, she will get reelected. Right. You know, she, she is there for a reason. The people are excited and, and getting behind her for a reason. She's getting a lot of airtime for a reason. And that's because 
she's not holding back, you know, right. and she's really transparent. And that about is a good point that what she does her goals are. She doesn't seem concerned later in the episode. We're going to get into the Michael Cohen hearing and how she destroyed it, how she just absolutely came with fire. And we'll get into that later. So back to uh, the healthcare for all in Oregon, there's a big push. Who's really behind this? I mean, obviously the democratic party, but it's also probably more of just like the progressive wing. So I mean, there's a, there's an organization called healthcare for all Oregon and right. they're the ones behind it. Um, I guess a, a decade or so ago, we tried to pass a healthcare for all type of single payer system. It got shot down. Uh, it didn't. It didn't have enough of coalition built. Right. Um, it, they didn't have money for a campaign, and it just wasn't. It wasn't ready at that point to be adopted. They've been working since then on building that coalition, and a lot of that has happened. In concert with the Democratic Party, right? Um, it's not partisan. Healthcare for All Oregon is not partisan. They've actually reached out to a lot of businesses. They've got a number of businesses that are supportive of it, and they've basically just been building the support across the state. Things they didn't do the last time. Um, the The main holdup with it currently is, at least through Healthcare for All Oregon, is exactly how to pay for it. Right. They know that it can be paid for. They know that it can be. Uh, cost effective that we will be able to provide more care to more people for less money. Right. It's just the logistics. What, yeah. The actual way to pay for it has not been determined yet. And that's important so, to kind of, to, you know, do some calculations and analytics and whatnot to see, because it is a drastic change. I mean, absolutely. has there been proposals on how it's going to be funded? You know, I mean, is it like a marginal tax rate? Is it businesses so, that pay for it? Currently, the the what we're looking at right now, James Manning has a bill in the Senate, Senate Bill 770. Uh, it is a health care for all Oregon bill that he introduced this session. And the way that he has in to pay for it is not really specific, but it does say however it gets paid for, it has to be done with a progressive tax. Right. So that covers part of it. It at least tells people that it's not going to be a flat tax. It's not going to be disproportionate to people's income. Right. Um, so it's which similar, I think is really good. It's, it's similar to what's happening that, now. And know. outside of that, it covers. It, it talks about what it covers, what this will cover, which is basically everything. I mean, it's it's a really good bill. It's about eighty nine pages. Um, which isn't too crazy. It's sometimes not too they're, crazy. They're longer. Yeah, sometimes they're longer. Um, it it actually goes into really good detail. It talks about everything that gets covered, and I think it's a really good bill. So yeah. I'm excited to see. That, yeah. I'm excited to see where this goes. And I hope there's some really good town halls. I think locally that's one of the biggest issues I have is that it doesn't seem like there's access to uh, town halls that really are thorough that see, people know that it are happening. You know. Yeah, and I don't think they've had town halls yet. Yeah, so I this. hope they do, and I hope they talk about it, and I hope they allow, you know... I definitely anticipate it. One of the things that we're doing with Healthcare for All Oregon is we are working to... Our goal has always been to put a bill on the ballot in 2020. So James Manning is about a year early, which is awesome. Um, it, I still think it's probably something that will need to go to the voters to pass, at least for the funding of it. When that comes about, uh, what this what this bill will do will say if we can get it passed is it says healthcare for all Oregon is a thing that the people want to see happen. Right. I mean, uh, it's basically the first step. The thing that everybody always argues about is how to pay for it. Right. And this right. doesn't deal with that, which is fine. We need to take that off the table. We need to just all agree. Yes, 
we want to have health care for everybody. It needs to be a single payer time system. We'll spend next year arguing about how we actually can right. pay for it. And that really needs to be where the focus of the conversation is. Um, the legislation, so Healthcare for All Oregon, one of the things that we're going to be doing is trying to hold events throughout the state. I think we're going to be reaching out to our business partners and we're going to be trying to do things in every community, uh, in every county, and just start to um, get the idea of this to permeate communities. Right, right. People need to get comfortable with the idea. Right. right. So like when Obama went on between two firms with Zach Galifianakis, yeah. which is so funny because that legitimately was when it became accepted. Like it, it, you can pinpoint it. I don't know if people are familiar with his little YouTube show and it's, it's I remember seeing that, but I don't recall. Yeah. So Hillary tried to do it. About. Hillary tried to do it too during the 2016 election and it, and it fell flat, but it really worked for Obama because he went on there and pushed the website, which they had at that time, they had the wrong people running it. I think it was a mess, but you know, it was tough rolling it out. I mean, it personally benefited me because I actually at the time was eligible and I broke my leg 10, 10 days after I got coverage, I broke my leg which would have cost me 3,500 bucks at least. Yep. And you know, so I was very fortunate. And so you're talking about the ACA. Yeah. yeah. That when that went into effect, I was very fortunate. So, I, I mean, I, I'm a strong supporter in something like healthcare for all Medicare for all nationally. I would, I think it would be the best. And I want to get into that in a second of why, but you know, because I think that marginally, like you said, that's not a flat tax. So the people that can't really put much to the, conversation they don't have a lot of income enough to be able to pay they're going to be covered my concern is always that the middle class is the people that get you know hit the hardest i know that the biggest complaint that i've heard with aca with obamacare was that the people in the middle then your premiums were so high or you know your deductibles were so high that essentially it's like i have to pay for this coverage or i get fined and i can't use it so okay let's talk about the aca for just a second sure the aca was great for me as well um, prior to the ACA, I think I was paying for me and the family 1500 bucks a month right. for our coverage for a, about a $6,000 deductible, which was crazy. It's insane. And, and the, our rates were going up, um, about six, no, about 19% each year. Wow. So it was clear to me, I, I was a small business owner at the time. And so our rates were through our small business. Um, but it was clear to me that, that this was unsustainable. Right. Like we were quickly headed for a cliff that, that not many people are going to be able to, um, maintain their health insurance. And at the same time, health insurance costs go up so much, uh, bankruptcies were at all time highs and healthcare costs were the leading cause of it. Right. So the ACA was needed. It was necessary at the time. Um, what happened and part of why we see such a failure of the ACA had to do with the Republican obstruction. Right. Because no bill that passes is perfect right away. Right. What we rely on and what, what legislators rely on is that you pass a bill, you see how it's working, and then you fix it. You work on it as it goes to make it better. And that didn't happen with the ACA. No, because they... So had, the um, first year... Yeah, the first year we had... Um, Platinum plans, gold plans, bronze plans, silver plans, right? And the platinum plans, which was what I got into right away, was $1,000 deductible, $1,000 max out of pocket. 
It was a hell of a deal. The price was really good and I didn't even get any subsidies from it. But my costs went down from 1500 bucks a month down to like seven or 800 bucks a month. Right. So it was a huge discount and my deductibles were suddenly affordable. I thought this was the greatest thing. Um, there was a whole bunch of new companies this, that got started. There were co-ops that got started specifically for the ACA. And the agreement with Congress and the legislation was that they would try new things and if they ended up at the end of that first year losing money, that they would get help from the government to help make up for that so that they can continue and they can continue trying new things. So um, it's it's uh, experimental, right? right? And the government was a partner in that. Well, what happened was, is at the end of that year, they had losses and the Republicans said, well, we're not going to support that. Right. And so they didn't. And what happened was all those new co-ops went out of business. And so we lost any new platinum plans. Then we were just stuck with gold, silver, and bronze. And the deductibles went up. The lowest deductible you could find was probably 1500 maybe $4,000. Um, so that's what I did. I went to the next lowest one that I could find. My uh, costs went from like 270 a month for what I was getting with the platinum plan up to 360 a month. And for just me personally, my right. wife had her own through her employer. Sure. But... Uh, what happened there is that next year, again, uh, companies were struggling to figure out the exact way to make things work financial-wise, and no fixes came about. And so the next year, all the gold plans went away. And right. so we were and just I wonder stuck if that's by design. You know, well, on the Republican side, that's, that's what, what the I obstruction mean. did. Yeah, I mean, by not putting any fixes into this and leaving all the flaws, you're you're torpedoing right it's a kamikaze i mean they yeah. literally want it to fail yes you know and and it worked and that's the biggest and, thing and it's more like, and more people get mad about it and right. more and more people want to see a change but in my mind okay now we get to decide which way do we want to change we're out of that rut yeah do we want to go back into the rut or do we want to go more towards a single payer and i think that's where single payer has gained a lot more traction it's because people a lot more people what was it 30 million more people suddenly got insurance sure and now people and now realize re right and with pre-existing conditions i mean the pre-existing pre condition thing is like the one thing that universally across the board i think it's it's got to be like 90 percent that support that concept and the 10 percent I don't know what their problem. They're yeah. independently wealthy, but well, well, financially, it's the hardest thing to support. Right, it's pre-existing conditions because right. basically you're getting people that are the highest cost. But it's a humanity issue. Absolutely, I mean, you know, I mean, absolutely, it's, it's something that. How can you tell somebody that, you know, you cannot get coverage because you have this? I think life itself is a pre-existing condition. You know, so yeah, but. So we'll have to see. I'm going to put a link to the website, um, Healthcare for All Oregon, in the in the comment section, in the description for people to be able to check out. Good. And I would encourage people go to that and sign up as a partner. Right. And sign I think up and show your support. I'll put a link for the Facebook page as well, because I think just hitting a, a simple like, you'll start to see more videos and posts roll out. And so even if you don't support it today, I still encourage you to follow it on Facebook because that will give you access to what's happening, you know? And then, so that's something that I, I think is a really good thing for people to do. So, and, uh, and if there's anybody on the fence about why to support healthcare for everybody, there's a few really good things to, to consider. Healthcare for all covers mental, dental, and physical health, including emergency services. Um, they're working on including long-term services too, long-term right. care. 
These things are so important to the quality of life here in America. And it's not just for you. No, you know, for society. Everybody that you know. When it comes to dental care, for some reason, we've we've decided at some point in our society that your teeth are separate from the rest of your body and right. they're not covered under right. the same and insurance. And it's cosmetic or yeah. But people that have teeth problems have problems that can affect every area of their life. Right. You know, people yeah. can't work if their teeth are in pain. Yeah, we talked about that last time and and it's so true. And then I also added just my own personal take. You know, there's this big push for gun legislation and whatnot with mental health coverage, a guarantee. I think that that would eliminate a lot of these mass killings because the, the a lot of times like the situation in Springfield where a guy was frustrated with bankruptcy looming from hospital bills, hospital debt. He was so fed up. He's. He lit his neighbor's house on fire. The fire department showed up and he started shooting at him because he was give, he was mentally unstable. He knew that. Yep. He disclosed that. I'm not dis- condoning or saying that his actions were even, they're terrible. But it, if he was able, he was at the point where he was like, can I go talk to somebody? Because if I do, I, it's just mounting more debt. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen to somebody that's getting treatment. Right. And so, you know, for the people on the left that tend to be a little bit more humanitarian in my opinion and they believe in safety nets and so obviously i'm not going to say that people on the right don't care about society they just believe in personal accountability well that it does not work for everyone period it's that simple it just has people fall through cracks that continue to grow and so I think that people on the right could get on board with this because they can realize that they don't want their guns taken away. So here's a way that mental and dental and the mental coverage, mental health coverage, I believe can limit some of these mass killings. And so that's a yeah. debate that we should have. And, and it's that's where something like healthcare for all or Medicare for all nationally will really be something that doesn't just cover, like you said, your own personal pocketbook. Yeah. It's, it covers so much more well, there's, than that. There's a lot to be said for personal responsibility. Absolutely. And I don't fault the Republicans or, or conservatives for wanting to see more of that. But what they, I think, overlook is how they're impacted sure. by other people's lack of the personal responsibility. Right. I mean, and you, and just because you demand it or you want to see that doesn't mean that you're not going to feel the brunt of it at some point. And when we talk about uh, population and as we get tighter and tighter and, and we live closer and closer in cities, other people are going to affect you exactly even more. I mean, it's like my so. last episode was about suicide prevention or the one before the last one. And, you know, here's a woman that would talked about how she was a successful banker, but then behind closed doors, she was dealing with this deep depression. So how can you just, I mean, the thing is, is that I get the attitude that, Oh, it should be personal responsibility. That sounds good on paper, but how can people just have this push for one? Like I'm going to be a future millionaire. And for two, I'm never going to get sick. Like that, that mentality is broken and it's lazy and I'm not trying to be putting people down like, Oh, deplorables. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, (laughs) you need to think beyond yourself, you know? And I talk to people a lot of, with differing views next week, I'm going to have a friend of mine who's more conservative, which I'm excited about because we need to open the the dialogue to explain why we believe what we do. And so hopefully I think the key to that is tying it to a a personal in in a lot of ways, You, you know, for a lot of people and uh, really, I see it among a lot of conservatives, but more so than that. It's not just it's not just a conservative issue, but 
a lot of people have a hard time seeing beyond their own personal experience. Right. And so they think, Hey, if I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, why can't you do that? Right. You know, they can't see, they don't understand the forces that might be holding somebody down or, or that stole their bootstraps. You well, know, so they don't, they don't have any bootstraps to pull up because somebody else took them. Right. The one um, thing that's pushing, see the word socialism comes up and then it shuts off a whole demographic where they're not willing to even hear it. But the one thing with healthcare coverage, if it's packaged, right, politically, then it pers- it can persuade people the elderly community which tends to vote more conservative so they themselves have personal experience with how healthcare has been bad until you get to that medicare point and that's the the irony of it all it's like you know i talked to my dad he's like i'm on social security and medicare now and i'm like and, and he's like it's wonderful i'm like yeah imagine that and his mm-hmm. attitude is i paid for this which is a fact yep you know and he deserves it i'm not debating that and that's the irony is that he comes at me with this aggression like I paid for this. I'm like, I'm defending you having that and expanding it to other people. I don't know why you're mad at me. You should talk to Paul Ryan. Yeah. You know, Well, and we're talking about um, the expanded healthcare will be paid for. Exactly. You know, we're going to pay for that also, whether it's a payroll tax or whatever, you know, I, I think a payroll tax is probably one of the better ways to pay for it. But, right. um, and then, you know, there's talks about other stuff with, with, marginal tax rates, you know, on money sitting in a bank. And I think that that's, we'll get in, maybe we'll come back. I know you're doing a show. Do you want to plug the YouTube thing? You're doing a financial. Yeah. There, it's out there. We'll talk about it another time. But so, uh, the links will be in the description. I want to talk about a few other things before we get out of here, but, uh, the links will be in the description for healthcare for all in Oregon. And is there any other resources that you know of that are really good? Is it just kind of the Facebook page and the, and the website or healthcare for all Oregon website is a good one to go to. Um, I I already just clicked on the Facebook page when I posted the link, when I was preparing for this episode and and there that I really encourage people to do because the videos are short, a one and a half, two minute videos that really kind of start to get to the nitty nitty gritty of it. And they're going to keep rolling out more and more and more of them. And that's, you know, this push is going to be, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, a presidential candidate on the left in the primary, I will not support a candidate that's not strongly for Medicare for all. Absolutely. You know, and like you see Klobuchar comes out, she's going to govern from the middle, which unfortunately in the primary session, she needs to be ignored because the reality is, is that the other side's not willing to compromise. So she's just going to go with their policies. And that's the end of it. I mean, you got to give her some, some well, you, it's starting off in a poor negotiating position. Yeah. Right. That's really what it is. You right. know, I, I like candidate like Bernie Sanders and it's not just that he's offering pie in the sky things, right? He's starting the negotiation out from a strong point on the left. Right. And it's this is not a situation where he says it's my way or the highway. You know, he's been an independent in Congress for God knows how long, for 30, 40, 30 40, years, 40 years. Yeah. And he's managed to accomplish quite a bit in that time, you know, right. as an independent where in our society, the majority party has all the power. You know, they get to decide what bills go to the floor. So. Um, when you've got an independent person, you're not necessarily going to see sponsored legislation, but what you're going to see is amendments. And that was where he figured out his niche to be successful was in 
adding amendments to bills to get progressive to making them actually work. Yeah. Yeah. To get, to get progressive ideas passed. Like you said, in the beginning when something's passed, it's not necessarily the finished product. And so some making amendments is pushing it to where it actually is effective. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to figure out how to do that. So that doesn't come from a, from a stance of this is the only thing I'm going to accept. And it's got to be this far left, what, what only the people on the far left are demanding, right? right? That is not the way that it works. And that's not what he's trying to do. But what it does is you got to figure out where you're going to start this conversation. Right. And if you're, this was one of the problems that Obama had was, I think in, this is what it felt like to me and, and I could be wrong, but what it felt like to me was Obama would, would in his own mind or with his people think, okay, this is what we want. This is our pie in the sky idea. Um, this is where I think the Republicans will settle for. So I'm going to come out with an an option that I think they'll be happy with. And so he's already negotiated himself to right, the middle. Right. And and really, he did come up with really good compromises. The only problem was is that's where he started. Exactly. And so from there, the Republicans would just say, nope, 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 nope. And he would have to move farther. Right. In order to get and that's what I saw. I saw. Side. So you had mentioned Bernie Sanders, and there's a bunch of town halls happening right now. And I watched the one with Klobuchar. I've watched a lot of them, and I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt and just see what they're. You know, I like to watch cable news not for the information necessarily, but also just to see how it's being covered. And that being said, I wanted to talk about what happened with Bernie Sanders, where. It's now come to light that a lot of the people that were pre-approved with questions. Now, the questions were not there's no issue with the questioning, but in the CNN town hall, CNN was extremely misleading, in my opinion, about who the people were. Yeah. So I I had no problems with the questions either. And I thought Bernie answered him well. Um, One of the challenges is CNN puts out these people as. Just everyday town folk. Everyday, yeah, everyday yeah. Democrats or whatever when they might be a county party leader. Right. You know, I mean, county one of, chair. One of them, if I remember right, it said, that, I can't remember what the question was, but it was like, here is so-and-so mother of two. And that's what they listed, but she was the chair of the Baltimore Democratic Party. Right. And so CNN is definitely resistant to progressive ideas like Bernie Sanders. They're, he, now they're, they're about ratings first. Period. Every news channel is going to be about ratings and across the board. I don't care who it is. So their biggest concern is eyeballs for their advertisers. Right. But that being said, there's going to be a push. Obviously, it's no secret that they have Warner Media that owns CNN is the biggest funder of Kamala Harris. So they're kind of back backing off a little bit because there was some negative press. So if there's negative press about her, you won't hear her name. Right. You know, where she the Jesse, whatever his name is. The uh, in Chicago, she had commented on it and it didn't go over well. So they just don't talk about her for a while. And then she'll disappear for a minute and she'll be back when things are going good. But with Bernie, they're going to talk about every little tiny little story, if it's good or bad or whatnot. Yeah, we've definitely got to watch the the media um, on. I know CNN took a lot of flack over that, and I and I don't know what their vetting process was. So the the event, the town hall for Bernie was held in Washington, D.C. Right. You're going to get a lot of exactly. wonks that are going to attend that, the that, local, that want to attend it. Right. Because right? the local people are involved in politics. So that's what, yeah, that's for the what, most part. And so I don't know if CNN asked them what they did and if they presented themselves as an everyday person. That's, so maybe that's they, a fair assessment. They, they may not have told CNN that they were county 
chair people. Um, and CNN may not have vetted them beyond what they said they were. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know the situation now because of what we see in the media. We have to question it. I find right? it hard because to imagine of, because of CNN's ties. Um, right. Right. I mean, it, it. It just. It. It. We have to be skeptical about it, and, and now they know that it's on them to do a better job. And it's such so a dangerous we'll thing. See that change. It's such a dangerous thing for me to want to push I, you know i don't want to omit what we would discuss but the thing is is that when you push this that cnn is is doing this kind of like you said maybe lack of vetting or intentionally m- misleading who the questioners are in this right. town hall that pushes this fake news narrative and that's my biggest concern it's like yeah i mean i, I you it know, doesn't help them it doesn't, it doesn't help, help the cause and so you know account, i mean i I've never thought I would find myself defending the CIA, the FBI and the media, but that's where we're at in 2019 and they have to be perfect. They have to be almost perfect. You know, perfect. They have to do better. They definitely have to do better. So one of the other things that I would point out and, and I would encourage everybody to watch all of the candidates that get presented and to see the, the way that they get presented. So Bernie did his first town hall in Brooklyn yesterday and he had, 28 to 30,000 people. And he, I mean, depends on what source you're looking at, but it looked like a ton of people. Um, he had a really good speech. He talked about himself, his personal experience, which he hadn't before. Um, he had a few people ahead of him kind of kick off the town hall. Um, prominent African Americans, um, females, and then he went into his personal experience in life and then he started talking about his platform well msnbc right after his town hall they have somebody on who says they're really disappointed that bernie didn't talk about african americans in the first part of his town hall well he led off with three different african americans before him he talked about his, his himself his personal experience which he hadn't done before ever and then when he first started talking about his platform, he talked about African-Americans, right. people of color. But the complaint was that he didn't cover. He it. didn't do it right away. Right. And I mean, it, it's it's the type of skewing of reporting. Right. And that's the that biggest problem. We have to watch out for. And, and this is not just with Bernie. I expect to see that to happen with a lot of the different candidates that the media doesn't necessarily well, and that's, approve of. We talked about personal accountability. How about actually following through with watching the entire town hall or I know there's so much to, to take in, but in, if you allow the media pundits to give the overview of what happened, then mm-hmm. you're doing yourself a disservice, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know, so I do believe that in a rep- Republic democracy, what we're doing is we're choosing people that we admire or respect. That's what our vote does so that they can do the, the work and read the 89 pages of the bill. Or 2000, you know, you know, and so that's essentially what we're doing. So the same could be said for media coverage that you pick your in a world that's so bipartisan you pick your media that you like. I'm a big fan of the Young Turks and I'll watch that, but I'm not going to stop there. Like, that's not the end of it. I'm not just going to watch be like Jenk said this. So therefore, that's gold. I mean, I disagree with a lot of things they say, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. Is that. Even with Joe Rogan, I believe, like I I was talking about this yesterday in the car that Joe Rogan had Alex Jones on. And I think it was great because because he was 
Alex Jones was just like a chicken with his head cut off. And Joe Rogan's like, hey, man, it's cool. It's cool. It's like we're listening to you. Like we're hearing you out. I may not believe what you say, but I'm still giving you the time of day. When my point of that is, is I respect the fact that he's giving a platform for somebody to run around with his head cut off. But have you watched have you watched or listened to that yet? The Joe Rogan with Alex, not with Alex Jones. No. Oh, my God. There's a point, And I usually don't use this word. So please forgive me. But there's a point that my stepson had to point out that Alex Jones goes, so uh, I'm basically retarded. <laughs> and it was just pure. I don't usually that's use probably the word. pretty accurate. I do, but that is just meme gold right there, you know, but that's beside the point. So I wanted to talk about one more topic uh, before we go uh, about the town hall or the, the Michael Cohen hearing. I had mentioned earlier in the episode about uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ro Khanna in California is another one that went right for the jugular. And so I encourage the, you know, you listening to check out, if you didn't see that, go on YouTube or whatever and type in R-O Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A. And those two, they didn't mince words. They didn't sit there and like the Republicans said, liar, just go straight for that. They they chose to focus on on actual crimes that were committed and asked que- and a, a line of questioning in their five minutes allotted that got right to the point. And what AOC was able to do was basically unearth a bunch of felonies, you know, a bunch of stuff. She did her homework and she went right for it. If you haven't seen that clip, I highly recommend it. You could tell that Michael Cohen was like, oh, here we go. You know, because <laughs> obviously, you know, whether he wants to uh, revenge or whatever you want to call it, you know, I mean, he's, he felt like Sammy the Bull up there, but you could see it in his eyes that he's like, wow, she's actually because, you know, it wasn't like she was attacking him. She was I don't want to say using him to get the information she needed, because if these are crimes, these crimes need to be faced. Right. You know, but uh, I highly recommend it. She went she went right after it. And so basically tax evasion. Uh, what was, there was a bunch of stuff that was now not stuff that's Mueller, not Russia related. Right. <clears throat> I don't think we're going to see an outcome from the Southern district of New York within the next two years before he's reelected or, or, or that's scary or <laughs> before the 2020 election. But it seems like that stuff has been happening a lot swifter. You know, you see the, the investigation with, uh, well, I guess that's Mueller that had, that had uh, Roger Stone and yeah. Manafort and all those people. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, who knows if that's ever going to come to an end. Yeah, I think the New York uh, investigations are more focused on, uh, you know, Trump's family dealing. The financial stuff. And, yeah. Yep. Financial. You know, the, I can't, Weisenberg, is that his name? Was, was his, his uh, financial person, Trump's financial person that was mentioned a lot in the hearing. And they, there's... I don't know if that's going to be public, but he's going to be next that Congress is going to sit down with him. And that's where it's going to be. See, and the thing with Michael Cohen is, is his account or his uh, his record is bad with his honest record or whatever. But then how can people make that argument that you're a lying scumbag? And it's like eight months before that, he was the chair for the Republican financial for the Republican committee financial for, for the which is insanity. And then, you know. What he was lying about is defending this guy. Uh, it's just insanity. I mean, the the way the Republicans went about that was just absolute insanity. And it, it was a mockery. You and, know, uh, you know, that's really the way most of those go. Sure. You end up. I mean, it happened with the Democrats, too. Oh, yeah. Um, when it came to. Oh, which one was it? 
Debbie Wasserman Schultz is pretty bad because she just is so hung up on the Russia stuff, which it almost kind of squashed some of it. Well, it was a couple of years ago. I mean, the Republicans have been in charge most of the time in the House in recent memory. And so they would hold a lot of hearings where they basically uh, looked bad, like they were trying to make something happen that wasn't there. And the Democrats looked really good. And then there was something that happened last year, the year before that the the tables were flipped and they had somebody in there where the Republicans were asking all the right questions and they actually looked really good. Like this was a legit thing they were bringing up and the Democrats played it off exactly like the Republicans just did where they they asked zero probing questions. They had no depth in their questioning and I wonder which one you just gave it a path. I wonder what, if it was the banking, you know, kind of stuff. I mean, no, and I can't for some reason I can't pinpoint it. Now it definitely I wasn't prepared. To I talk know one about that, that the Republicans weren't on point was not the Mark Zuckerberg's thing when they're like, how do you get and none of, the nobody Facebook? Was in those ones, <laughs> you know, I think, that was so funny to watch these 75 year old Republican or just politicians that were older because I think it was both sides, to be right. fair, that basically didn't understand that like Google isn't Facebook. And, you know, it There's was definitely challenges. It was crazy. I, my, my biggest takeaway with the Michael Cohen one was um, when he said, you know, I didn't he didn't have an issue lying for Trump and doing all of his dirty work when Trump was just a regular person. Sure. You know? I mean, that's just somebody doing what they can to get ahead and skirting the law and this and that. But he says that he saw it differently. When a president's doing well, it. and it's a huge difference, and, it's a and big difference. That's something that you know. I, I don't know. I think it sounded like it sounded like a legit reason for him yeah. to flip. Yeah, it's tough you because know, putting, because putting the country over. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about victimless crime, you know, and sometimes with financial decisions, they're not victimless crimes because then you talk about you almost know, never, almost never. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like the Bernie Madoff, like all you know these pyramid schemes and whatnot, but. With when you're a president, it's not even negotiable if it's a victimless crime. If you're making these decisions that benefit only you individually, that is screwing over millions of people and really ultimately billions because we're talking about global now, yeah. you know. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see what comes of it. It was just, I really recommend people go and look up Rokana and AOC's uh, questioning because it was really good, you know. And you had mentioned with Bernie getting a lot of flack. In the race relations, there was such a just a bad situation where uh, Meadows, uh, one of the Republicans, had brought a woman. She was like, this this person you call Trump racist. This woman thinks that that Trump is great and spoke for her, didn't let her speak once. And she's she's black and she likes Trump, you know, and then there's this weird moment with with uh, Elijah Cummings that was the chair about kind of oh he's not racist which i i actually thought was nice that he was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt that they have a really strong relationship i don't know it was a mess i mean there's just so they're just so out of touch but james we do got to wrap it up but uh i do always appreciate you coming on i again the links in there will be in the description um for the healthcare for all oregon website and then the facebook page you know really go to that uh so one of the things that is exciting about the podcast is I'm getting a lot of response from different people. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. I had a listener submission to have his song played at the end of this episode. And he, he does some progressive rock music at, you know, DIY style. He goes by help a lot of us. 
And so I'm going to play his song. It's called I Stay Alive. So we're going to end with that. And if you're interested in having your own song play, there'll be a link in the description. Uh, or you can just message the Facebook page for it's facebook.com slash STR pod. And you can talk to me about just message me there about how you could have your song played. And, and if you submit it and it's, you know, decent music, then I'll go ahead and play it. So, uh, that's something that's cool to do. Listener submission music is something that I want to build community with this podcast. So James, thanks again for coming out. You know, we'll have you back. Of course. I, think, I appreciate it. I think we're going to continue uh, bringing you back every few months. So I'm passionate for healthcare for all. I've been fighting for it for the last few years, at least. And uh, it's a game changer. Yeah. You know, it, there's so many positive reasons to get behind that for society. I'm excited and, uh, to see that I it's hope people could check it out. Yeah. And I'm excited to see that it's something that's actually, it seems viable now. It doesn't seem like something that's just pie in the sky. Like you said. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to end with I stay alive by help a lot of us. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. I stay alive. That's what I do to make it all seem real, to make it all seem